is the uh, is the kick to the Nuggets kind of like in Napoleon Dynamite, where that one guy kicks Napoleon's pocket full of tater tots? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot the core, Cass. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that, like ACDC, leaves you thunderstruck. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me as always... Uh, Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with the podcast or with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. Follow me directly on Twitter at GameboyGuru. Find our podcast links at linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast, and that will link you to all the feeds, plus our merch page, and a couple of other places. If you would, please subscribe, rate, like, review, etc. on your preferred podcast platform. We would definitely appreciate that. Uh, we have read reviews on the show before. And also join the RF Generation Discord channel, which is linked from the front page of uh, rfgeneration.com. We do have our own dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic there, where you can discuss the game of the month, uh, talk about shmups in general, post pictures or photos of your high scores, etc. And then follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams, because I do stream the game of the month multiple times, usually per week. That is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. Yeah, and you know, RF Generation is the place that I go to keep track of my collection. I am getting confused by all these re-releases of Raiden 4. I don't know how many copies of the Switch version I've bought at this point. Or, you know, how many PS4 version, Xbox 360 things are over. You know, the next thing we're going to come up with is going to be Ultra Raiden 4 Overkill dash plus alpha or something so in order to keep all this straight i have to use the database otherwise i end up buying multiple copies i'm waiting for riding for super turbo championship edition on the tigergame.com oh that would be so much fun and laggy all right so, before we get uh, into our main topic here, I threw a question of the month out on the forum, on Discord, and on Twitter. And that is, what game do you find very difficult to the point of frustration, but you still feel compelled to keep playing? And the first response we got was from Pony Tatsujin, who said, Easy! XX Mission. XX Mission is a very frustrating game, yet something compels me to just keep going. I don't know why. Probably because it feels very Zevious. I haven't spent a lot of time with XX Mission, so I can't speak to that. Our next comment comes to us from at Drake Tunston. 
For me, it was Uncharted. I found the game and series very frustrating. I think I tried the demo of one of them and hated it. Borrowed a disc and played through the game and eventually got the hang of it and the Platinum. Did it almost out of spite, but eventually I did like the series. Not sure if it's a little Stockholm Syndrome or just conquering it. Yeah, <laughs> play, play it until you, until you love it. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. that should be... Uh, we were sort of jokingly calling the, with all these re releases they, someone's going to put out here. I, I will put the... I don't think limited run games would do this, but maybe strictly limited would come out with the Kasoge collection. <laughs> Hate it until you love it. The Kasoge collection. <laughs> right. The, uh, the gaming equivalent of fake it until you make it. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, SPM chimed in on Discord and said, Can't think of anything currently, but Strikers 1945-2 was like that when I first played it, but could not stop playing. Corkman brings up Tatsujin O. It's such a kick to the nuggets. So I'm sure it's a kick to the McNuggets, but just keep coming <laughs> back to it. It's so brutal, but those graphics and music have me coming back. Stave states help me enjoy it even more. Yeah, you know, it, it's sort of funny. Not, nowadays, we've democratized getting kicked to the Nuggets here with the, the Mister because that, that just recently came out, and I, I feel your pain. Is the uh, is the kick to the Nuggets kind of like? In Napoleon Dynamite, where that one guy kicks Napoleon's pocket full of tater tots? Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, WLTR3565 says, Eco Fighters, the RNG bosses are very annoying and literally require luck, but the game is just so great overall, I kept on playing. Yeah, Eco Fighters is one of those that used to be really hard to find, and people were looking for that for a long time. And now it seems it shows up on like every other collection by Capcom. So I'm very thankful that he's got more and more re-releases. It's something we'll have to touch upon. Yeah, I mean between the the recent Capcom Arcadia or uh, Capcom Arcade's Second Stadium collection. And then the Capcom Classics collections that were on uh, Xbox, Xbox and PS2. PS2, and PSP, you know, it was available through those. So, it's out there. Uh, Poo Poo Platter 4 says, Katsui Kizuna Jikoku Tachi. Alright, word soup. I could see that. Katsui is frustrating. But it definitely has that one more try appeal to it. And I remember when we covered that game, just kind of continually wanting to keep trying. Yeah, Katsui is definitely one of the games that I wouldn't mind going back to now that I've gotten a lot more experience under my belt. Is At the time, Stage 3 was really difficult. I wonder how hard it would be now. We're going to have to do like a re- revisitation podcast. Um Maybe we'll call it uh, Shoot the Corecast. Uh, let's see here. And we use Gaiden already. Redux. Redux. Redux, pink bullets plus alpha. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting idea. Maybe, maybe each of us pick a game or two 
and spend a little time with it and then kind of discuss it from a updated vantage point. Sounds good to me. We've got another comment from at needs new shorts. Hopefully one day he does get those shorts. <laughs> Gunnack is one of my favorite shooters in games overall. I can get kind of far. Probably won't ever beat it. It's weird. I love it. And playing it itself isn't frustrating, but it's so frustrating I can never get past a certain stage. Kudos to newer games with difficulty levels. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of fun when you're going across these type of difficulty level, and especially with the compile game. I remember playing Xanic and Xanic, and I definitely love those games, but man, once you get to a certain point, the game just decides it wants to streamroll you. It says, I've had enough. Yeah, games with heavy rank like that. We call that, that sort of, effect. Yeah, they ramp up and then they never ramp back down. Sounds like that. Those old commercials, roaches check in, but they don't check out. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like the? This is welcome to the hotel shmupa for you. Yes. You can check out, but you can never leave. Yes. BB says Devil Engine and any Psycho game. Yeah, definitely with the Psycho. There, I have to. Well, let's see. What Psycho game do you think would give you the most strikers? Nineteen forty-five, two, maybe. Would give you the most trouble. What's your uh, most uh, love to hate Psycho game? Or, or hate to love. I don't know what you want to call this. Uh, probably Strikers 1945-2, just because I have such a long history with it. And I was never able to play it until recently in the appropriate manner, meaning Tate. So I only ever played in sort of wobble mode. Oh, yeah, where it goes and, back and forth between because it's not big enough. Oh, you're brave to yep. play that way. Yeah, it's not good. But before I had the ability to play on a Tate screen, that's all I had. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to get your fix somehow. Yep. You know, even if you know, like, the reminds me of those old film junkies who would. Uh, watch on there. Well, it's only on LaserDisc or it's on VHS. It's maybe 240p, but it's for me. Yep. It's like a rallying cry, doesn't it? You hear it outside <laughs> of, it may be 240p, but it's for me. <laughs> Composite is good enough. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> our, our... You sound like um uh... Oh, what's the guy's name from uh, uh, from uh, I can't remember what it's called now Arrested Development where he's like there are dozens of us dozens that's about right <laughs> <laughs> RF is good enough no alright <laughs> our next comment comes to us from at the single banana and he says deep space waifu Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he says the guy game. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, I, I'm, I think we just let that one stand. Yeah. 
Both are equally as bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, Schlarp said, I could say every STG, but I like committing it to one. It's our type because I have a lot of nostalgic feelings for it. Yeah, I totally get that. Our type is frustrating. Yeah. Our- but it, it does have a draw. It's that Geiger-esque, it just draws you in. It's seen soft tunes of Alien. And then it gets you with a, with a face hugger. <laughs> right. All right, our last comment is from Orc Commander, and he says Metal Slug 3. That I could definitely agree with. It's one of those games that I, I love to play myself, but it is very frustrating. It's not as... Uh, easy as Metal Slug X or Metal Slug 2 and I, I if I remember serves this is the last of the Nazca developed ones I believe yeah, so yeah and I remember at the time just playing this so so much I probably I think it's still my favorite Metal Slug some people might say X but it, it definitely holds up and I would put a quarter and even if I know I'm going to be putting a lot more quarters in shortly yeah I remember when the playcast covered this game wow it's been several years ago now this was probably 2015 2016 maybe and I was in that month and I put a fair amount of time in the game and I never got all that far but I really tried to, you know, do as much as I could on one credit. So I get that. Mm-hmm. So what's yours? Well, I'd be lying if I said that I, I didn't kind of pick this because of some of my experience with Raiden 4. But... I guess there have been a couple of examples for me. Most recently, um, I've been playing through Metroid Prime on the Wii. And I've mentioned this in a couple of places, but the thing about that game that frustrates me is the grapple beam segments. 3D platforming in general can be frustrating because of the element of depth perception and how it's not always easy to gauge your jumps when you're doing it in 3D. Now, if you can look straight down and see what's right below you, that's easier, but it still makes it difficult when you're when you're trying to platform, as opposed to a 2D game where you can see exactly where you need to go most of the time, you know, except in games that are less well-designed that have blind jumps. But the grapple beam segments were just a nightmare for me. And I don't know if it's because I didn't do them right or what, but it's really frustrating to grapple something and then swing and then have to try and grapple another point and then swing to another ledge or something, only to fall and have to climb all the way up this large room and then do it again 15 or 20 more times before I get it right. That drove me batty. But the rest of the game was good enough that 
I was able to kind of get past that, get over that hump, and, you know, get through it. Yeah, I, I could definitely understand. It's frustrating, even though a lot of times they try and negate the 3D platform by providing a shadow underneath you so that we can find out where the heck you're supposed to be landing. It's still difficult. And the times when you think you've hit it correctly and it's it just doesn't attach for some reason. Yeah, I could see that getting very frustrating quickly. Yeah. I mean, even earlier when you get the double jump, they make they make you do some double jumps that are just far enough that you really have to do it perfectly in order to land them. And again, having to do those jumps 15 or 20 times before... I get the timing right. It's frustrating. Yeah, I can definitely see that. What about you? What What's uh, an example you would give? Uh, for me, I would have to say Steam Hearts. There's just something about that game. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, for me, it, my answer would definitely be uh, Gradius 3 Arcade. There's something about that game. It's, you know, it, it's uh, McNuggets to the wall hard, but it, it is uh, <laughs> j- definitely a game that I would keep be- coming back and coming back and playing. <clears throat> it, is, it is, despite the wall, or the you know, they say it's a game of inches. In football, American gridiron, whatever you want to call it, wherever you're listening from. But that's the way that it feels to me with Gradius 3 Arcade. It's a game that you have to know exactly what to do. But when, I guess you could say with R-Type and R-Type 2, right? Easy to start, difficult to master. And that, yeah. that's what really draws me in for that type of stuff. The ability and the great feeling of when you've finally nailed you that and broken through you know you're like neo in the matrix and say i can see everything i understand <laughs> I, although i don't think that all of a sudden the play food and bullets are just going to start turning into uh, japanese kanji but <laughs> right. <laughs> so i'm sure someone's going to take that and run with that now right you got your matrix themed uh, stg there you go although wasn't that the end of the game for um for and, and, and was it uh, Neo, Neo the not the Enter the Matrix, but the the path of Neo, the one that they made it came into the Xbox PS2 at near the end of its life cycle. He, like oh. he, they they're like this and the ending for the original trilogy sucks. So here's Agent Smith becoming this giant kaiju, and you're gonna have to fight it as Neo. Oh, huh. Anyway, yeah, you know. If you had to choose, I, I would say either Gradius 3 or the Game of Life. <laughs> well, that I understand lately for sure. So, is it, you know, as I'm reading our next agenda item here, when we're going to start talking about Mushihime song, for some reason, the bare naked ladies. Uh, song one week pops up in my mind and I sort of want to say it's been one week since I started on stage four defeating the mid boss no one wants to hear me think, yeah. so I just have to say it out loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah and 
The thing about Mushi is I've been so busy with work and other things that I really have not been diligent about dedicating the time to the game. So one of the things that I think I'm going to do is I'm going to shift my focus. Uh, instead of continuing to beat my head against the wall to try and get a Mushi 1.0 clear, I think I'm going to change it up and start playing some 1.5 and a range because we're getting closer to the end of the year and I'm not making any more progress, so I need to at least put some time into those modes to see the differences and get a good idea of what makes each of those modes tick so that when we come to the end of the year and are ready to talk about the game, uh, I will have hopefully a more full understanding of the game and all that it has to offer. Yeah, playing the, the little bit that I played between the different modes, I know that 1.5 is a lot easier as a player and a lot more forgiving than the original release. It's similar to the, uh, or akin to, let's say, Grega, when they, they give you the option to change the bullet color and change the bullets so you're not staring and saying, well, I can actually see the bullets now. I'm I'm no longer dodging like Stevie Wonder. You know, it, it's <laughs> works out or Ray Charles. It, you know, it works out very well. And I <laughs> I do have to say it it's a lot easier and more forgiving. And I would definitely recommend starting with one point five. Yeah. And I don't remember if it's one point five or a range or maybe both, but I think at least one of those modes has auto bomb. So that would probably save my bacon. Set you up the bomb, indeed. Indeed. Have you uh, had any more time with Mushi or any more insight into the game recently? It's hard. No, I have. <laughs> I, I, I've been playing Stage Four, and Stage Four, I, in Mushi in general, I you know I thought the bullets were moving fast, and I was like, man, this is pretty hard to do, but the more I play a Damaku-type games or any games, you know, like, uh, for instance, Raiden 4, hint, hint, that, you know, or as a lot of people like to say, foreshadowing here, uh, it, 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 it's definitely got me to be a, a lot more of a reactive micro-dodger. I can't quite get to the Mark MSX mode of zen dodging where i mean the way he micro dodges is incredible with the or, or even wanting someone like of jamer's caliber where they just sit there and they just sort of let the bullets zoom past them you know or, or, or sort of i guess getting to the point of as they would in in a kung fu movie of inner peace where just everything goes into slow motion you see see him attacking there, I, I have not reached that level yet, and I am <clears throat> trying to get there so I, I can become at one with the bullets. It's a good goal. It's a good goal to have. I can, I'll keep trying. You know, I, it may just be like my golf game. I, I may put everything I have into it and never get any better, but I'll keep trying. <laughs> right. Yeah, 
that's kind of how I feel about 1.0 right now. So that's really why I want to shift my focus, because I at least want to see more of what the game has to offer and try to wrap my head around what Cave was thinking in making these other modes and, you know, see how they changed it up. I, I think that they were put out a initial and, and then got player feedback on there. And, and, you know, Cave is not perfect when they create games on there. They're going to have stuff that they want to change on there. And, and most of the time, the changes are good. And occasionally, you end up with something like the Star Wars Special Editions, and people say, no, thank you. But uh, for the most part, things turn out okay. Right. So, speaking of. Cave games being re-released and coming up, we should move on to our shmup news. Yeah. And City Connection will be publishing physical releases of Akai Katana on Switch and PS4 in Japan, including a bundle that include Daisuke Matsudo arrangement soundtrack CD and an acrylic arcade instruction card replica. Also appears will be a laser engraved display pieces crafted for the characters in the game, which appear to be exclusive to certain Japanese retailers. Yeah, City, City Connection's really going out with getting these retro licenses on there. At first, I thought, thought that they were just doing a quick cash grab with Glaylancer, but they really stuck into it. And I think that the uh, um, the one of uh, FX Unit Yuki is published by them in Japan, which is nice to see. Uh, and then they also had the third of the... Uh, uh, what the heck was in it? It's on Turbo Graphics. It's, but they made the one that was for the uh, Teleview Sh- Shibubin Man, I think. <laughs> or, uh, oh yeah, yeah. the the, the uh, Teleview, the third one. They they were the ones who came out with that and published that out. So kudos to them for really keeping things going. And you know, on the western side here, we have Retrobit, which is going to bring stuff on there. I'm really excited to see them bringing back a lot of these games that otherwise people wouldn't have a chance to play like the Topan Collection or uh, you know R-Type uh, R-Type 3 it, and uh, Metal Storm really right. good to see these types of re-releases happen and you, know, you could say that they bring down the going rate of a fi- what official or legacy cartridge in this case a vintage cartridge but it's sort of funny if you look at Metal Storm. The Metal Storm re-releases almost as much as the original game. At this point, yeah. <laughs> well, there's been some controversy with City Connection because they've handled a couple of releases that haven't gone over well. Specifically, the Saturn Saturn Tribute series, such as the Cotton Games, and then that. Um, Raystorm release that they did. But their Death Smiles release was well received, so hopefully the Akai Katana release will will be similarly high quality. (laughs) Right, and I I think that a lot has learned, because if you look at Glaylancer, I mean, Glaylancer was not because the PCB wasn't up to par, right? People put one of the beveled edges on there, and I think there are a couple other small issues with that, with their part uh, port of uh, shoot. What's a 
the, the game that came out to was the it's not is it Wolfane I'm thinking of but uh, that, I'm, that's a PS1 and the arcade shooter what's the one that the Mad Stalker Mad Stalker for the Mega Drive oh right they did that on on there and that as a cartridge that came out perfectly so they've really grown and I think that they are learning from their mistake I mean some hardcore people might say that you know it's better not to do this if you're not going to do this the way that we want to and I understand that point of view however I think that they are a company that is actively engaged in listening to feedback and learning from their mistakes and because they want to provide a quality product they don't want to just you know throw it out there right and having played this um, the uh, Death Miles one I, I really enjoyed the one in Death Miles port oh good I, I, have you a chance to try it I haven't but I might soon alright Porsche foreshadowing indeed no i I, had, I had picked up the ps4 version the u.s version and i gave it a go and it, it, i don't think i'd go back to the 360 version of the original death smiles after that i think they did a good enough job oh cool so the big news that happened over the past month is this sort of huge wave of acquisitions that happened by uh the embracer group and they purchased multiple companies and properties, and I don't know. It was just really crazy. Embracer Group bought Bitwave Games. They bought Tatsujin Company, and they bought Limited Run Games. So this does a couple of things for us. Bitwave is going to be doing... PC ports of Toaplan shooters, since Embracer now owns Tatsujin Company and Bitwave, they're going to be licensing those to release PC versions on Steam. However, based on the information that we've seen so far, it appears that the console versions are still going to be coming through M2 uh, from their Toaplan Arcade Garage series that they've done so far with the, um, uh, what is it, the um, Q Kyoku Tiger Heli collection or the Hisho Same 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 collection. And so Bitwave, in their initial push, will be bringing us uh, Tatsujin slash Truxton, Q Kyoku Tiger or Twin Cobra, Outzone, and then Zero Wing. Uh, and those are going to include features like quick save and load, online leaderboards, rewind, a very easy mode similar to what M2 has done, which, based on what I read, was a request from Masahiro Yuge himself, uh, as well as uh, Tate mode where applicable, and then Steam achievements and other features. So this is pretty big news. Um I'm also wondering if if the acquisition of limited run games means that there's a possibility that the M2 ports might actually get Western releases or that somehow that happens. I don't know. 
Yeah, with the Embracer group living up to their name and embracing everything that they can get their hands on here, <laughs> it's definitely a possibility that we may see these as Western ports coming up. I wouldn't surprise me if the these sort of get like some special treatment. It's not. I mean, we mentioned in here the STGs, but it's not just the STGs. I mean, they're bringing back gimmick as one, and I think that they have a couple other products that that they're looking to bring back. So it wouldn't surprise me to see these done with limited run games. Is I know they said that they, all those, including gimmick, were going to get a physical release. But I wonder if it might be a little bit more open-ended than that, and it just show up with a, you can order them on Amazon. I know a lot of the stuff that normally goes through strictly limited when it comes west. You can see that, such as the cotton, you know, rock and roll cotton, uh, cotton reboot, and uh, what was it? Waterboy collection has showed up that way. And let's see, that's all the ININ stuff, inning stuff. Stuff and what else have they done on their cotton? I go, oh, Wonder Boy, Asha, Monsterland, the sequel on there. I know that they have definitely done some of the other stuff, like the um, and Taito was it not Taito? What's the Taito Arcade Stars or something similar to that? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it really wouldn't surprise me if some of that stuff just ends up going one of those two routes and still limited to run. But if you are going to go with the intent for buying a physical publisher, it would make sense to funnel your games through them. Right. And apparently the deal for Limited Run had been in works for at least two or three years. Yeah, that's what I read. I mean, I looking at, at this, I expect to see Embracer Group bringing their back catalog and using... In, in using limited run to be sort of their publishing arm in see limited run sort of going back to the well several times for so it wouldn't surprise me if we see like hey death miles click i'm sorry that's city connection my apologies <laughs> see see some of the stuff like Ru show up for the ps5 like battle garega or dangan feet run i know it's backwards compatibility and backwards compatible but they've already been showing that they've been doing it with titles such as River City Girls. I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch to say, like, here's a PS5 version of Same, Same, Same. And because they can't, just because, it's not like you're going to get a performance increase uh, on River City Girls on the PS5 versus the PS4 disc, right? It's still the same game. It just runs a little faster. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them do that for a lot of stuff as things go by. And something tells me if the PS6 still uses Blu-ray disc or whatever medium it's going to use, that we'll see them going back and doing a PS6 version of River City Girls or whatever you or Battle Gurega. Yep. The uh, full list of games has been released for the Mega Drive Mini 2 and Sega Genesis Mini 2 consoles. The North American European version will include Afterburner 2, Desert Strike, Elemental Master, Game Ground. Granada, Hellfire, Lightning Force, Ranger X, Truxton, Viewpoint, Night Striker, Robo Leste, Sylphide, and plus bonus content for Space Harrier and Space Harrier 2, and Fantasy Zone. 
the Japanese release also includes the Sega CD version of Starblade. And Space Harrier 2 will be an enhanced version, probably similar to what M2 did with Salamander and Fantasy Zone on the PC Engine Mini. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely like these because you get some nice oddities. I like the Darius that came out with the Mega Drive Mini. But personally, this, this type of stuff is not something that I don't think, I, I just don't think I'm going to buy this. But I, I, I'm glad that these type of things exist for people who just want a nostalgia kick or find that these games are so expensive they would just rather play something like this. Right. I mean, I'm glad that it's happening. There's some cool things that are kind of going along with this. Number one, Sylphid gets out there a little bit more. That's neat. Two, apparently, the Genesis version of Viewpoint that we talked about just a few episodes ago, that was only ever released in North America. Mm -hmm. So I guess M2 is going to be enhancing that somewhat. I don't know if that means just better frame rate or if they're actually going to tweak it a little bit. But it'll be the first time that that version of Viewpoint will be available in Japan. So that's kind of cool. Now they can all suffer. Um, no. And, and of course, seeing Technosoft yeah. games, now that Sega owns the properties, such as Elemental Master mm-hmm. and Lightning Force, it's good to see those continue to get um, to get traction. And then stuff like Granada and Gained Ground, which were published over here by Renovation, um, and were Wolf Team games, those games are expensive now. I mean, I just recently picked up Granada, complete in box, for actually not a half bad price. And at the time that I bought it, the store was running a deal, and so I got, I don't know, 15 or 20% off, something like that. So I got it for probably less than the going rate now but it was still expensive. It was still more than original retail. So if you can get all these games, even if they're a bit compromised because of the input delay, it is at least a way to kind of get into the, the games. Yeah, I, I, I agree that it's another avenue for people and a little bit of algebra trip. I'm glad that the mini consoles exist. I, I, I'm in too deep. <laughs> I spent too much money on upscalers and original hardware and you know, misters and everything else to, for this to appeal to me, but I am definitely glad they're making it. I just hope that they make enough. Right. Yeah, I bought the TurboGrafx Mini in part because of the lineup and because I wanted to show Konami, hey, we want this stuff. We like TurboGrafx and we want to see more Turbo Graphics and PC Engine properties done right. Um, so I bought it for that reason. But yeah, I mean, I already own multiple Sega Genesis collections, plus I have multiple Sega Genesis consoles and a growing library of Genesis games and some Mega Drive stuff. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. My investment in original hardware and upscalers and all of that stuff plus a mister kind of makes this for me not a buy 
But for anybody who doesn't have other ways to play these games legitimately, yeah, absolutely, it's a it's a good idea. So we've already got our next question of the month there. How do you pronounce it, Genesi or Genesis? Uh, something like that. Uh, there's a new overhead multi-directional shooter called A Clumsy Flight that's out now on Steam from a developer uh, Due or Duve Brokema. I guess I'm now attending the Mark MSX School of Pronunciation. Um, it looks inspired by the classic arcade shooter Time Pilot. It has chunky pixel graphics and a cartoonish style. This one just kind of came about randomly, and I stumbled across it, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago, and it definitely looks charming. I'll have to take a look at it. In sad news, developer Rob Hale, better known as as Squid in a Box, passed away in early August due to complications resulting from cancer. Subsequently, his two twin-stick shooters, Waves, and his sequel, Waves 2, Notorious, have been made free on Steam. I'll definitely give that a try and remember it. I haven't had a chance to try these yet. I'll have to do so shortly here. Yeah, I had Waves on my wish list forever, and it was one of those that I just never picked up. And sadly, now that the developer's gone, I mean, I have it for free, but... um, you know, you feel kind of bad that you never tried out their game. Um, but it, it's a nice gesture. I guess that was um, that was something that the developer or the developer's partner decided to do kind of as a, a thank you. Uh, the forthcoming Konami-published shooter Signy All Guns Blazing has been confirmed for release on PS5, Xbox Series and PC and is slated for a 2023 release. Uh, There is no word on Switch or PS4 versions or a physical version. You forgot the word that everyone's thinking. Is there a Pachinko version? (laughs) Well, Konami's only publishing it. It's somebody else who's developing it. Oh, okay. So it might show up on the MSX at some point. (sighs) Well, I doubt that. I mean, if you look at the trailers, you can see how high-end the graphics look. You know, this is sort of... I don't want to doom the game, but it's sort of the current idea of something like Cinemora, of how good that game looked when it first debuted, as compared to almost anything else in the genre. And this is kind of the same thing. It looks incredible when you watch the footage. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this goes over. But yeah, also interesting that they're targeting only current, like next gen consoles and PC. So I'm wondering if my streaming rig will even run it. (laughs) You can can do that there. That will be your next uh, YouTube video. Will it run on a potato? <laughs> Something like that. All right. Uh, Mushihime 
So I'm a Futari player, Gusifas. Uh, or, you know, again, Mark, I'm a sex school pronunciation. Or is it Gusifas? I think it's Gusifas. Gusifas, all right. Held a Shmup Relay event called Ultramania from August 27th and 28th, focusing on scoring demonstrations. The event has been archived on YouTube. Yeah, I remember bits and pieces, so I'm going to have to take a closer look once I got a little free time. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be similar to either Mark's uh, Shmup Slam kind of event or the um, Mata Marcianos uh, Spanish event. Uh, so just demonstrations of games, but again, with the focus on scoring. Uh, there's a new shooter called Tunny Tunny Wizard that's been released on itch.io, and that can be played in the browser, or you can download it to PC, and it has a retro pixel art style with bullet hell gameplay, and visually kind of reminded me of a Master System game. Uh, I messed around with this for a few minutes, and this is pretty neat. Uh, that sounds like good too, because I, you know, I haven't had to play a good Master System game. Well, at least a good Master System shooter since Flight of the Pigarus. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a Master System game, but it looks like it could be. So yeah, that's a, a neat little title. All right. Dodonpachi Resurrection is available for pre-order via Limited Run Games, including a standard physical, a steelbook edition, and Limited Run has a chiptune arranged soundtrack CD with a Switch arcade cabinet stand, similar to what was offered with Mushihime-sama. The arcade peripheral can be purchased separately. Yeah, uh, this is uh, DFK, so definitely worth picking up. And it does have black label, and doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, my understanding is that it has the whole package, which I assume, and I hope, is going to include the Ketsupachi arrange. Hmm. Well, either way, it was the instant purchase for me. Yeah, and I splurged a little bit and went with the limited edition. Um, the idea of a chiptune arrange soundtrack intrigued me, because the game has a good soundtrack, and so it'd be kind of neat to hear chiptune arranged versions. But also the arcade cabinet thing. I passed on it with Mushi, but I figure since it's included in the limited edition this time, since I wanted to buy that anyway for the CD, I thought, well, I might as well just go whole hog. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. Something like that. Yep. And the one thing that... that I'm sort of wondering, and, you know, I, I, uh, this is sort of a running joke here, but you've always heard somebody yell out, play Freebird, right? When, you're, when people are asking either for Guitar Hero or sort of a running joke about what should I play next? I, I sort of feel the same way when people are asking about bring back SDOJ. Right. So hopefully, hopefully they hear and someone can do that. Well, just remember, SDOJ can be yours for the low, low price of $2,500 for the game on Exa Arcadia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, all, all I have to do is uh, 
sell my car or maybe I can uh, <laughs> use my taxes for next year and there I go. You know, X-Arcadia is, uh, I think I said this before, but it is the Neo Geo of this generation. You know, all, all the games that you want, but uh, you're going to have to pay through the nose to get them. Yep. Very much so. Well, let's do another stimulus here, right? Stimulus <laughs> round four. Everybody needs an EX Arcadia. <laughs> uh, uh, that'd be fun. Uh, Shmup community member Actane has developed a caravan shooter on the Pico 8 platform, which, for those unfamiliar, is a sort of retro-style development environment that mirrors early 8-bit consoles and microcomputers uh, in terms of graphical and audio style. Uh, but the game is called Summer Carnival 22 Cross Gunner and is an 8-bit take on a Danmaku-style caravan game. And like the one I mentioned previously, you can play it in the browser or you can buy the game and download it on Windows, Linux, Mac OS, or Raspberry Pi. And I messed around with this one for a little bit as well. And this has an interesting system where you've got your ship that you control, and the ship has eight-way movement. But in addition to the ship, you have these two guns that sit on the left and right side of the screen, and they move up and down relative to the position of your ship. And so that's the namesake, Cross Gunner. And so you move your ship around to avoid bullets and things like that. But then as you're shooting through obstacles and enemies, these two guns on the side are moving up and down, shooting things too. So it's kind of a neat system. Again, another game I need to find some time to play. Yeah. A Game Boy Color shooter has been released called Happy TX. An update of an earlier game called Happy, which was done with the original Game Boy style. This adds color and more to the game. It was done by Smeetus2 using Godot Engine and other tools. Feel free to download from the Sonic Fan Games headquarters. I, doesn't the Godot Engine, isn't that the, what's also running the next month's game? Or I think it's something completely different here. Uh, yeah, I think you might be thinking of something different. Okay. Uh, Trouble Witches Final, Episode 1, Daughters of Amalgam, has been announced for Switch and PS4. It's slated for Spring 2023 release in Japan, which will include both digital and physical editions. Uh, it's from developer Studio Siesta and publisher Rocket Engine. And apparently this is going to include two new characters, new magic cards, and new modes that will be exclusive to the console release, which will bring the total modes to nine. So it will expand upon the, uh, the PC version. Uh, no word on a Western release yet, so we'll have to wait and see if somebody picks that up. I would rather play this any day rather than Otomedius. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I want to say somebody ran Strike Witches for Shmup Slam 5. 
Might have been four, but it was one of the more recent Shrump Slam events. And the game definitely looks like it's got a lot going on. A new shooting game overseen by Master Takahashi Majin of Hudson fame is in development called Stargonaut. Oh, sorry, Stargonaut. The game was crowdfunded with a short amount of time with a target of 1 million yen. was easily reached. Sounds like a Dr. Evil quote there. <laughs> the development will be handled by <laughs> Terrain Games, who has previously released such titles such as Gemini Arms, Missile Dancer, and Raging Blasters, among others. The game will include a arcade mode, caravan mode, and challenge mode. Hey, Raging Blasters is a lot of fun. I had a chance to play that recently. Uh, Missile Dancer, I'm trying to remember. I, I definitely know I put some time in it, but I can't remember too much about this. Have you had some experience with these? I haven't yet, but I just have to say, one million yen. <laughs> That's my worst Dr. Evil impression. Oh, boy. Next, you're going to start telling us about a laser. All right. Yes, we need we need raging blasters with frickin' laser beams attached to their foreheads. Uh, no, this is actually good news because, number one, it means that Master Takahashi is still has f- fire, I guess you could say, for the genre. And just looking at the teaser video that was shown looks good. I mean, it looks like this is going to be quality stuff. So, Terraran Games has... Stuff has been well-received so far. And, of course, I'm still looking forward to Terraflame from Terraran, which is a kind of Thunder Force tribute. So, yeah. This is good news as far as I'm concerned. You know, I wonder, if Mr. Takahashi walks into an elevator, do you think he presses all those buttons as fast as he can on there and just walks out? I don't know. <laughs> Every button's a challenge to him. I guess so. Uh, Red Art Games is releasing a physical PS4 version of Game Boy style shooter Spacewing War. Pre-orders are open now, and the release is slated for October of 2022. They're also doing a limited physical PS4 release of God Strike, which is a twin stick shooter. Um, I looked at, at God Strike, and I'm not sure if I'm going to go for that one, but Space Wing War looks fun and charming, and I followed the development of that on Twitter uh, through most of that cycle, and definitely think it looks like fun. Yeah, I, I have to say that it's the one thing that we've been remiss in doing here on the shoot the court or you know shmup of the month club is we really haven't done very many portables right it's been either dojin or pc or it's been console parts we really haven't done a lot that's been portable focused and hopefully we can change that in 2023 yeah i mean we did we did the uh mercenary force but you're right we haven't done a whole lot. 
And, and who, who doesn't want to play, you know, something like Parodius on the, the Game Boy where you're rowing across the stars and you can barely see what the heck you're playing as? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Good time for all. All right. So, Radigree 2 has been announced for the PS4, PS5, and Switch from developer RS34 and publisher Beep Japan. It's slated for a summer 2023 release with no word on physical editions just yet, though Radigree Swag really received a release. It's a good possibility. And no word on Western release yet because, of course, we're still waiting for the original to come to us from Someday Dispatch Games. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, I might just go buy the Japanese release. Yeah. And if it's coming from Beep, you know it's going to be good quality. Is that they did the Cotton reboot. And if I remember correctly, the English language translation for Cotton Reboot was done by Adi from Digital Foundry. Oh, sure. So if they involve him again for doing this, I'm certain it will turn out to be a quality product. And even if they don't, I have faith in Beep. They have proven that they have a solid track record. Right. Well, RS-34 games, and by extension Milestone games that came before, have all been relatively wacky and esoteric. I could not tell you if the English translation of Radergy Noah that was on the um, Ultimate Shooting Collection or originally on the GameCube um, if that translation was good. But yeah, I suspect that because the uh, the games are a little bit story heavy that we'll probably get a decent translation. Yeah, did you realize you also just uh, gave an accurate description about us? Wacky and esoteric? <laughs> well, that's... Sure. I'll, I'll go for that. <laughs> uh, Shmup player Desmaku has created a video guide to the doujin shooter Valhelio on YouTube. Uh, the game was only released through Dojin Circles and has not seen a wider release on Steam, so it's a little bit obscure. I think you can buy the game on DL Site, uh, which of course I'll say be careful going on DL Site because there's a lot of very uh, disturbing content on that site, but you can go on there and sort of filter some of that out. Um, I know there was a physical release that happened, I think, for one of the earlier Comiket conventions, and might still be available through some Japanese retailer, but I couldn't tell you for sure. But I've seen footage, and it looks interesting, so I might have to check out that guide. So weird that we're getting into, like, Polybius territory. All stuff. It may exist out there somewhere. Right. Developer Kevin Monitor has released Rampage of the Strongest on itch.io for you to download. This is a 99 second Toho Caravan shooter featuring the character Kerno. Is that how is that pronounced right? Kerno or Cerno? Cerno. Yeah, Cerno sounds better. 
I, I, you know, every time I was like, Colonel, all I can think of is the uh, K- Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, here's Colonel Sanders. But no, uh, <laughs> remember when they were going to release their own video game console? Oh my oh, goodness! Yes. That thing on there. What was? Well, it's just. Well, what do you do? Well, we don't put any thermal paste on the processor here, just because it gets a hot enough. You can just fry the chicken on top. Just <laughs> <No. laughs> start over on this. Developer Kevin Monitor has released Rampage of the Strongest on itch.io free to download. This is a 99 second Tohu Caravan shooter featuring the character Colonel. Uh, and t- caravan shooters are something that I enjoy. I, I sort of love the mystique of uh, uh, NECA, uh, NECA, was it NEXA, NECA, RECA, and. Um, as my phone loves to change it every time I try and type in the title of this game to uh, Wienerhead is a nicer name but it but uh, yeah <laughs> but it definitely oh yeah you you're know, talking Summer, Summer Carnival, Carnival 92. 92 yep Summer Carnival 92 uh, autocorrected to Wienerhead right <laughs> so which Yes, but no, uh, caravan shooters are definitely nice. I uh, like them. In fact, there um, there was one of everyone's favorite Tex-Mex CMB shooter, Blazing Lasers, right? That was a it's a special edition on the PC. Yeah, there edition. was a there was a Gunhead Caravan edition. Yes, and finally, Mommy's Best Games has released Game Type DX, which is an update of Game Type HD. That was originally out on Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, it's a horizontal shooter with a wacky style, and it has a protagonist that wears a hoodie and flies around, and it's got odd kind of pop culture reference stuff in it. And it's out now on Switch and Xbox platforms, and it's coming soon to PlayStation. Hmm, I'll have to check it out. It almost, it almost sounded like you were going to call it like Meme Lord or something on there. You have to avoid all this. It's just full of uh, why you no do this and I can his cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the final boss is not a cat or something or a keyboard playing cat. There you go. Oh, jeez. I can just get some idea. They're going to make Meme Lord now. Meme <laughs> Lord and Meme Lord DX plus Alpha. Yep. Nice. All right, so let's move on to our PTSD of the month, Raiden 4. And, and the people who survived this month with us are Metalfro, Addicted, Normatron, Fall Macho, SPM, Schlarp, Geriatric Tamaku, Kristap76, BB, Zoido, and Orc Commander. Thank you all for joining us. And hopefully you don't have... Uh, Fast bullet PTSD, as I certainly do. And Indeed. I've never been sniped so much since 1942. <laughs> so let's move on to a little bit about Raiden 4 itself. It was developed by Moss, which was founded in 1993, though they didn't release any games until 2005's Raiden 3. Other notable Moss titles include Raiden 4, Revenge of the Coffee Man, or as I like to, 
you know, Captain Coffee, I think it would be a better term for him. <laughs> you know, if, if they're going to do like Overkill Edition and all these special editions of Raiden 4, why not just do one of Raiden 5 where you can, it's sponsored by, or it comes with a can of Boss Coffee. Or, you know, like, it's sort of like Pepsi Man, you get, you get your Boss Coffee and you get a power up and all of a sudden you turn into Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Instead of a fairy, he becomes a character. Uh, you know, hey, spice it up at this point. If you're going to do something with coffee, you know, sex it up a little bit on here. Use Boss Coffee. Get yourself a couple promos in there. We're all good. <laughs> the best part of waking up is riding in your cup? Thunder and lightning. <laughs> uh, they also developed KOF Sky Stage and the Gladius games. And the DS version of Exit, and most recently, their game is. Come on, you know oh. this one. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Yep. Shorogon Dragon Breath, or something like that. Yep, and it just came out recently too. It just got published in the West and uh, came out. I I have yeah. it, but I haven't had a chance to try it yet. So, uh, for that, that'll be like one of those ones where. Someday some kid will go in there. I'm looking for Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Age Shore and the clerk will just stare at them and go, do you want a copy of Battletoads? <laughs> All right. No, I, I, it's interesting that Monster like went into two different directions. They came out with Raiden 3, which a lot of people... Uh, I, I'm going to use an, an analogy here, and it's mostly apt. Raiden 3 is to Raiden 4 is to Street Fighter Street Fighter 4 as Raiden 3 is to Street Fighter 3 that means it was something different than what they had come before it say namely Raiden 2 but it it didn't quite hit the mark on there some people really like it some people don't but most people generally assume that Street Fighter 4 or in this case Raiden 4 was a fixed what was wrong with Raiden 3 and was a return to form. So it's interesting to see how they went with that and then the other portion of Moss went, I don't know, maybe they were big Steamhearts fans or whatever, but they decided, you know what would be good? Shame Breaks. So (laughs) (laughs) they went with Gladius Braylees and of course the um, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maze and it's interesting to see the development style that they've gone through. I, I hope that when they get around to making Raiden 6, that they put it a little bit more or lean more towards Raiden 4 and less more towards Raiden 5. I, I I think that they experimented maybe a little bit too much with Raiden 5 and lost a little bit of what made it so good in translation. I mean... The the Raiden Four was originally released in arcades on June seventh, two thousand seven. Which was on was it Taito X Hardware? If that's correct, uh, that might have been it. Yeah, Taito Type X. Yep, and that included five stages, and it did well enough to get an Xbox three hundred and sixty port in October two thousand eight in Japan, in September two thousand nine in the West published by UFO Games, which 
I think there's two versions, right? There's one that has the soundtrack, which is the first printing, and the second one printing does not, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I think the soundtrack version might have been a GameStop exclusive. Oh. Raiden 4 was re-released in the arcades in Mark 12 on the Nescala X Live platform, and Raiden 4 Overkill at the PlayStation 3 in territories throughout 2014, and then on the PC, which is where the GOG release, the one I played in September 2015. Raiden 4 Mikado Remix was released for the Nintendo Switch in 2021, and on PS4 February 22nd. Uh, sorry, February 2022 with Western releases for PS4 and PS5 and Microsoft platforms coming in 2023. So this game, has, as you can see, has a long story history and has been moving around. Uh, if you think about Raiden 4 being Street Fighter 4 and then you know, Raiden 4 Overkill being Street Fighter 2 Champion... Uh, sorry, Street Fighter 4 Championship Edition or... And then at the very end, or Super Street Fighter 4, I, I guess would be more apt. And then we have Street Fighter 4 Arcade, or is using Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2, or Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. Oh, I guess so many darn Street Fighters <laughs> that we're out, out on here. So the, I, I don't expect them to go beyond the Mikado remix. I think we'll be seeing the Mikado remix show up on the PS6 at some point. But I think this is the final iteration of the game. And, it, you know, I, I have to say, with what a darn good one, too. They, this is one that has been refined and refined over, over, and each time it has certainly gotten better. So, what a... Well, except maybe the story. <laughs> uh, the crystals have returned after numerous defeats against humanity. The VCD immediately launches a new mi- model of random fighter, the Fighting Thunder ME2 Kai, to stop the crystals from taking over the Earth. Aren't they called the enemies called the Crashians? Originally, in the first Raiden game, they were called the Cranassians. But at some point, that was retconned in favor of the crystals. Okay. Because I, I kept misreading as the Cardassians, and it was driving me nuts. So, so someone's got, and I don't mean Kim Kardashian, uh, not the Kardashian, Cardassians. Right. Oh, uh, boy, uh, now someone's going to make a Kardashian shooter. <laughs> oh. If it's like uh, KOF Sky Stage, where you're flying as the Kardashian sisters shooting things that I might actually play that just because of how ludicrous it sounds and it'll be part of the Kasogi collection it'll be, it'll be uh, um, could you imagine if the Kasogi collection was just uh, ports of the Action 52 <laughs> <laughs> alright we're getting off topic here aren't we? so why don't we talk about the gameplay yeah uh, so, the arcade version has two basic modes. There's light mode, which gives you three stages, I think it is, with an easier difficulty. And then original mode, which has all seven stages. Right, and those are the seven stages that are the five plus the uh, console. No, 
Uh, nope. The arcade release had seven stages. There, but the ar- I think. Am I getting the remix mixed up? I might be. I might be. The the arcade had five to start with, right? The original right in four had original five. Original had five, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then oh, so maybe maybe I have that wrong because I thought they, it was seven stages. It was seven when they brought it home to the console on the 360. That's when it became seven oh, stages. That's right. So it must have been five. That's right because it was five stages and then it loops. So that's my bad. I that's have a typo. Right. I remember because I read up on my hardcore gaming 101. The more you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I can confirm the light mode and the original mode that we see when you play it on console uh, in the arcade mode is the same as what you get when you have it on arcade. Because the round one arcade that I was going to a couple of years ago, for a little while they had Raiden 4 in a cabinet um, because they run Nessica live in all their cabinets. And so I actually played Raiden for there a few times um, on cabinet. Yeah, and, and that was a that was not sorry not the Mikado, but that that was the Overkill version, right? No, that was just straight up arcade. Oh, straight up arcade. Okay. Yep. Uh, and as mentioned, you are piloting the Fighting Thunder Mee O two, a newer take on the classic Raiden fighter design. Uh, There are three basic weapon types. You've got your Red Vulcan, which is a spread shot that you can power up multiple times to reach a near 90 degree angle. You've got the Blue Laser, which is a powerful forward firing laser that grows in width and strength as you power it up. And then you have the Purple Laser, which comes in two flavors. You have the Plasma Laser, which is the classic what's known as the toothpaste laser from Raiden 2 that locks onto enemies and then curves around to be able to lock on and hit multiple targets at the same time. And then you have the proton laser, which is this three-way laser beam that sways back and forth as you move. And if you wiggle the joystick left and right in rapid succession the beams will sort of narrow until they kind of meet. And then once the beams have converged, once you've crossed the streams, so to speak, then the whole beam will move back and forth with you and you can sort of control the direction of it, which way it it swings back and forth. Yeah, this is Moss, again, experimenting... Here is the plasma laser, as you mentioned, start out with Raiden 2, but it, the plasma laser wasn't in Raiden 3. No, it was something more similar to the proton laser once the beams converge. Right, and, th- and then the proton laser was green, if I remember correctly, Raiden 3. And then Correct. Th- yeah, with the, within Raiden 4, it sort of became its own thing and it's almost like a hydra like weapon and by the way you got the three heads coming out of it it's sort of neat it gives a little bit more utility than what what you got there again it's moss learning from what what they originally done in writing three and figuring out a way to improve upon it 
Yeah. And the interesting thing is, in a two-player game, if someone, if the two-player picks up that purple weapon, they can they can use that Raiden 3-style swing laser. And there's also, uh, I'm trying to remember, there's a, you do two-player, there's like a, a secondary effect of that, not only with that, but there's like a, some sort of special spread shot, right? Yeah, it's a... It's a staple across the Raiden series that in a two-player game, if one player is behind the other player or on screen, if you're looking at it, it's underneath. But if you're shooting up and your shots go essentially into the other plane, then they will sort of deflect and spread out and create this odd ricochet effect which then creates more of a spread fire kind of thing. And so that's long been a staple of the Raiden series, some kind of of combined attack like that. Uh, you also have three different secondary weapons, each of which can be powered up twice once you collect them. Uh, you got the M missile icon, which gives you standard forward-firing missiles. These are uh, the most powerful. You've got the R icon, which is for the radar missiles, and it gives you a sort of semi-homing missile that will seek out multiple targets on... uh, will target the closest enemy ahead of your position. So that might be directly ahead of you, or it might be something way off to the left or way off to the right. It's a little weird how they target, but... I think the R missile, even though it's kind of medium damage, is not a favorite among fans. Yeah, and so, sorry, uh, this is something I noticed here. One, well, I don't remember this from Raiden Three, but it, it, one thing I do remember with Raiden Four is these have show you the timer before they change. And, and if I believe, remember correctly, if you stop firing, they also stop. And don't change, and they come closer to you. Is that correct? With power-ups, correct. Yeah, so if you stop firing, then any power-ups on screen will be drawn toward your ship. Uh, And then you also have the H, or homing missile icon, and that fires fully homing missiles that will seek out multiple targets on screen, depending on your power-up level. And, and this is what most people are going to choose, right? Because in this game, you often have enemies come from the side. Not so much the behind, but there's a lot of uh, sort of cheap shots in this game where, where something can come up as you're busy dodging something or dealing with a, uh, a, a mid-tier enemy and something will just sort of snipe you as it comes out on the side of the screen and it can get frustrating. Yeah. If you're going strictly for damage output, you want to go with the M. But if you want that coverage, then definitely go with the homing. Uh, Other pickups that are available in the game, there are medals, which of course are only for score. Now, sorry, the the medals here are a little bit different, right? Is the medal system, or at least within the overkill, it's based upon how much you fill up your meter, right? You can fill up to six by shooting the enemy, is that... Like a mid-tier enemy, and then it gives you a bigger medal than what you had. Is that correct? 
We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, but standard medals are for score. You've got the fairy, which can be uncovered by destroying certain ground targets. And after taking a death, then the fairy will pop out and give you some power-ups. You have the B icon, which gives you a bomb to your stock. There's a 1-up icon, which is only available in a couple of spots in the game. There's the P icon, which grants you full weapon power. And so it will max out your weapon power for both primary and secondary weapons of whatever you're equipped with. Generally, you're only going to see this drop by a fairy, or if you die and you lose your last life and then you continue. Sometimes you'll get that P to sort of give you a leg up when you continue playing. Uh, and then in overkill mode, you've got score tokens or medals, and then you've got the overkill medals. And we'll explain those in a little bit more detail when we go over scoring. The 360 version of the game included the 360 mode, which added two additional space stages. And that mode has been renamed as additional mode in subsequent versions, such as P uh, PS3 version of Raiden 4 Overkill or Raiden 4 Cross Mikado. Somewhat controversially, the 360 version also had the Raiden Mark II and Fairy as playable ships, but only as paid DLC. So I know there was some some definite complaints about um, about that back in the day. I was tempted when I first bought Raiden 4 for the 360. I was tempted to buy those as DLC. I'm kind of glad I didn't, but um, I was definitely tempted. And then, of course, the Overkill release includes those in the game. You don't have to buy them. There's a boss mode that's unlocked after a one-loop clear of the game, and of course is useful for practicing specific bosses, and that can be unlocked by just credit feeding through the game. Yeah, I, I think that does a really good job of covering most of what you'll see on Raiden 4. I have to say that I didn't play too much as the, as the fairy issue. I just sort of stuck to your standard. There, how would you say the fairy differs from the your standard riding ships? The fairy is interesting. It moves really fast, so it reminds me of um, playing as one of the faster ships in Raiden Fighters. But because Raiden 4 isn't really designed around that fast movement, it feels too fast for me for the game. So I had a hard time using the fairy. The fairy's weapons are also different. Uh, you get you get these odd shots. You know, there's like a there's a spread shot which kind of mirrors the regular shot, and then you have this weird bubble laser thing that almost reminds me of the bubble laser in Super Star Soldier, and then your missiles kind of sort of mirror what the main missiles are, 
but it's definitely an odd an odd character. Now, of course, the advantage of the fairy is it's small, so your hitbox is much smaller. But like I said, the speed makes it feel really weird. The Raiden Mark II is a cool ship to use because it's more powerful, but you have to gather more power-ups in order to get it to max level. And it moves slower. But the, the blue laser is definitely more powerful on the Raiden Mark II. But the big disadvantage to the Mark II is that the bomb doesn't deploy immediately. There's a little bit of a delay, just like there is with the original Raiden. So unlike the Fighting Thunder, where when you bomb, you can panic bomb and it will deploy immediately, you really can't do that with the Mark II. So you kind of have to know when you need to use a bomb so you can plan it. But I spent a decent amount of time with the Mark II, and I think it's a viable option if you don't mind the slowness. Yeah, I think that, as you mentioned earlier, this game is built around power instead of speed. So the fairy makes it sort of interesting. It sort of reminds me of the, the running joke we had about Strikers 1945 too. The balsa wood. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. That would run really fast, run around, and then but as soon as it got grazed by anything or just even somebody looked at it wrong, it would catch fire. So, yeah. but and the, and the Mark II was definitely nice, but I found it maybe a little bit slow. I, the sweet spot was with the default ship for me, and that's what I ended up using for the majority of my playthroughs. But I appreciate you going through those and the, the direction there. I, I'm certain there's somebody out there who enjoys playing as the the fairy or the Rider Mark II, but it's not not that the the way was. Uh, the game was originally intended and i i don't mean that like hey it's just the, the flow of the game was built around that default ship right so it's similar to the way that you were dealing with the riding fighters jet last week or sorry last week it almost feels like last year but last month with the aegis right what oh yeah if, the one featured prominently on the cover the you throw almost like a P-38 light, you know, like the, the ship from 1943, the Lightning, P-38 uh, Lightning. Very similar yep. to that, yep. So, yeah, definitely understand that. And speaking of things looking good, let's talk about the graphics. The graphics take a very colorful aesthetic. The original writing titles ramp things up, both with HD visuals and overall more a brighter contrast, a brighter look. The uh, writing was a, if you say that Gradius or the Gladius series are a 80s arcade mainstay, writing was definitely a 90s arcade mainstay. Writing and writing 2, and even with writing fighters, but I think most people are going to be more familiar with writing and writing 2. Though the style of those is translated very well, and you can see. Almost like a HD reskin or HD remaster of Raiden 2. And you can see that in some of the ways that the bosses show up on there. And we'll get into maybe a little bit with the music, but some of the music is almost taken uh, directly from Raiden 2 and just remixed a little bit. But uh, it's certainly a, a vast improvement over Raiden 3. I, I found the bullets. Uh, 
I, I did not run into Grega issues. I could see the bullets and didn't have anything where I felt like I was sniped out of nowhere, which is very nice. And everything felt fluid in anime. Well, I didn't have see any real jankiness to the bosses. Uh, uh, stage one, the boss that sort of comes out of the uh, um, the some missile silo, whatever it's in there, animates really well. The like spider type creature. Here, the the planes are working well. You've got your obligatory sea base that it flies over. A, a lot of it feels like it's right into HD remaster in some ways, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it gives you that some of that familiarity. But they they also throw in a couple new varieties and new stages. Overall, it's very well. I guess you could sort of make the same argument for Street Fighter 4, right? Street Fighter 4 is maybe a direct sequel to Street Fighter 2 in some ways as far as gameplay and so some of the assets and the way that they're drawn it's, it's definitely right into inspired and they did a very nice job of bringing it forward yeah I would tend to agree anything you'd like to add? no I think that covers it excellent so what can you tell us about the sound? well my observation is that the sound effects are generally good. The shot sounds are distinctive for each type. They are well-balanced in the mix, so they're not overwhelming stuff. Uh, the explosions are bassy, and I feel like they're impactful, so it's a nice touch. Particularly playing on my setup, where I've got a sound bar in front of me and then a subwoofer, you know, when you're playing the game or watching a playthrough of the game and you get that rumble of the explosions that's nice uh, the original soundtrack has songs from both Gosato and Akuda Sato and those are iconic when I first bought the 360 release and got the uh, with the soundtrack CD I bought that game actually before I even had a 360 because I knew I wanted it and I wanted to be able to play it. And so even before I had played the game, I listened to the CD soundtrack in my car a ton. Um, just an awesome soundtrack. The, uh, the arrangement tracks that were in Overkill, take the original tunes and put an interesting spin on them. And I think they complement the game well. The, the more unique part of the music with Raiden 4 is the Mikado remix. Because that takes a very different approach. You've got mostly kind of rock and heavy metal interpretations of those original songs. And there's some what I would call video gamey kind of stuff included in part of those. But really a lot of it is live instrumentation sort of mixed in with more composed and video game produced type music. So it's a really interesting and odd mix. I think it works, but I know when 
when the game first came out. I know Ed was not a fan of the Mikado Remix soundtrack. No, no I, I enjoy. I'm with you. I definitely enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I don't have a soundbar hooked up here, so I can't uh, feel the explosions on here. The only time I could do that was with Steel Vampire, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but everything. The sound effects were good. I, I you got that punch. I mean, the the two main things that I look for in a soundtrack are, well, I should say, within the sound effects are. Can I feel like I'm shooting something? If I'm going to be shooting with my standard shot, does it feel like it's actually... Or sorry, not feel. Does it sound like it has weight to it? Like, am I am I showing that someone's just going pew, pew, pew? Or does it actually you know, sound like a, a gun or a laser should be firing? And then this, the second thing are the explosions themselves. The explosions have to be done, right? They don't have to be up to Michael Bay level. But they certainly need to have some weight to them. And I think that this game does a very well, a very good job. Now, I have to say, is where the sound, my favorite is still going to be with the sound effects within Raiden Fighter's Jet. But I, I, I think this game is a close second. Oh, well, I should say third. I'm sorry, you got me. Ride in Fighter's Jet, Ride in Fighter, uh, Ride in Two, and fall by um, Ride in Four. So, oh. I mean, I definitely like Gallantry too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Gallantry is like one of those songs that I, I think it's just sort of required at this point for every yeah. ride in some variation of it. Yep. So let's move on to scoring. Like its predecessor, Raiden 3, the faster you destroy enemies once they're on the screen, the higher the multiplier you get, up to 5x. The time required to destroy each enemy differs based upon the enemy. HP so larger enemies that take more hits to destroy have a longer timer. Collecting medals yields points, and bonus points are awarded at the end stage for every medal collected during the current life. Medals are worth 3,000 points each. If you can cover a fairy within a stage, each is worth 30,000 points. If you encounter a hidden soul tower in the stage and destroy it, that's worth 100,000 points. And if you find a Miklas, that's also worth 1,000 points. A lot of hide-and-seek here, huh? Yes. The stage and bonus scores calculate based upon the number of lives in stock, 50,000 points per each, and the number of bombs in stock, 10,000 points for each. Metals collected, 30,000 each, plus the number of enemies destroyed, destruction percentage, and flash shot rate, how quickly you destroy the enemies on average. There's also a score bonus for full missile charge hits, 500 points for each missile that connects with enemies in normal mode, and this is reduced to 100 points each in overkill mode. In overkill mode, tokens are awarded for each enemy kill, and depending upon the speed at which you kill them, and determines the size of the token, either large or small. Large tokens are worth 3,000 points each, while small tokens are only worth 1,000 points each. Overkill mode adds additional scoring mechanic where you can overkill mid-sized enemies and large enemies, also referred to as uh, corn cobs. And, you know, if we're going to start calling... <laughs> we were joking about this earlier. If we're going to call small enemies popcorn then maybe we should start calling mid-sized enemies corn 
corn cobs and start calling large enemies cornholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, lar- so, oh, <laughs> lar- large enemies are worth three thousand points each. Well, smaller and so I already said that tonight. Overkill mode adds additional scoring mechanic where you can overkill mid-sized and large enemies by continuing to shoot destroyed ships for a few seconds. Once the timer is up, the destroyed enemy goes, ship goes away, and a special medal spawns at one of five levels, depending on the percentage of overkill you achieved. Level 1 medals are worth 10,000 points. Level 2, 20,000. Level 3, 50. Level 4, 70. And level 5, 100,000 points. Tick points are also awarded for each shot connecting with the enemy at 10 points per hit. This includes some fire net dead enemies in overkill mode. In two-player games, players compete for the highest enemy destruction rate with a 10,000 point bonus being awarded to each player for each stage to win. There's a heck of a lot of uh, stuff going on for scoring here in Overkill. You know, I, I, maybe they just decided it was too much and decided to simplify it for Ride in 5 where you just get cheers. The social media aspect? I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> well... The Raiden 5 bonus stages would beg to differ, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot going on, particularly in overkill mode. And something that we were discussing in the Discord is with overkill, you get that additional level of risk-reward because while the dead enemy husk, I'll say, is on screen waiting to either uh, be converted to a metal or waiting for the timer to run out, uh, it is blocking your shots of reaching anything that's behind it. However, enemies that come in behind can, of course, shoot through that dead enemy and fire at you. So it's a really interesting... Uh, juxtaposition there, but it definitely makes overkill mode the most uh, difficult for scoring. Yeah, I, I I have to say, after dealing with Raiden four for a month, I I think just survival was enough for me. <laughs> Especially after I started playing the stage two boss over and over and over and over again. So, you know, I guess you could call it, uh, instead of Groundhog Day, Ride in Four Day, that the Stage 2 boss was definitely an early wall for me. And, well, I appreciate the game. We could see all the care and attention that was put into there playing for score was uh, just not on the cards for someone. Someone like me. I think Overkill Mode is a cool idea. And for someone who has mastered Raiden 4 already, it is a good reason to go back to the game. Or, if you're looking at more pure score chasing, then I could see the appeal. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, sorry to add in here, I would just say this is like Tetris Grandmaster Challenge, right? This is for experts. Yeah. Generally speaking, I would agree. Although, I think score chasers in general could get something out of it. And there was some discussion on the Discord 
about kind of the feasibility of overkill mode and also is it worth going for level 5 medals all the time and at least early in the game um, we'll get to this when we get some feedback from players but it seems like you still need to have a balance between level 5 medals and other scoring techniques because some of the other scoring techniques probably actually give you a better a better result it makes sense uh, there if, if you want to get your level 5 medal or if you want to grab a fairy you'll be grabbing the fairy or it, you know, if you're going to destroy the tower yeah there are certain things that would allow you to uh, maximize your score and you're going to go for that Right. So, since you brought up impressions and discussions of the game, let's move on to impressions of the game. Let's start off with Geriatric Damaku, which seems to be edging closer to my past, present, and future here. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody tried turning the game player and bomb stocks up to five? Hopefully, games with this adjustment get their own high score page. If everyone would just turn this up and play with this against people playing with three out of three stock, that would be cheating, which usually I'm all in favor of, but not this time, not for real competition. After a month of playing, we have my highest scores. It's clear that my actual shmup skills are in decline. About four years ago, my numbers were much higher. Some of you in the shmup club around my age have so I have a thought, do anything you can to stay in the game. Once we cross into September, I'm going to set red and, five, or sorry, red and four to easy and to five ships per credit. Heck, might even go to very easy. There's no shame in accepting the inevitable. I completely agree on this. You know, if, there, I am not getting younger myself, and I, I say go for it on there. If they get... Right and four is hard, and it may not be Gradius Three Arcade hard, but it is definitely a hard game. And if that gives you enjoyment out of the game, go for it. Is well, the game, the game's aesthetic and gameplay may not age. The players certainly are, and you just at some point have to face the fact you're not as uh, dexterous as you once were. Yeah, well, and as I. As I mentioned in the Discord, and I'll touch on this when we go over the scores later, but I did end up playing very easy a little bit toward the end of the month and did manage to reach the final boss on one credit. And so I said when I posted the score for that, I'm happy to be the standard bearer for the very easy difficulty. <laughs> Uh, Chris Tap seventy six uh, offered some final thoughts on the game uh, after playing for the month. Raiden Four is one of my favorite shooters. It doesn't rely on any gimmicks; just great graphics, challenging gameplay, and nice responsive controls. I was always fond of the original Raiden game. Or no, I always found the original Raiden game to be a bit on the slow side with its ship movement. But in 4, the balance is just right. I can only make it to stage 3 this time around, but will continue to play. I was a lot better playing this in my PS3 days. 
The blue laser was my weapon of choice and preferred its power over the spread shot of the red power-up. I stayed away from the purple power-up. I found both versions too distracting to use while trying to dodge enemy bullets. I know uh, people complain about the constant movement and changing of the power-ups dropped in riding games, but I like the risk-reward aspect this provides. Overall, this is my favorite in the series, followed by Raiden Fighters and Raiden 3. The version used was the physical PS4 game running on a PS5. Overall, a fantastic game and has a place in my top 10 shooters of all time. Keep up the good work, guys. Well, thank you. Well, we will. Thank you, and thank you for playing. Yeah, one thing that we forgot to mention before that I wanted to touch on since Chris mentioned the purple laser or the plasma laser, in comparison to its power level in Raiden 2 when it was introduced, the plasma laser has been severely nerfed in this game. Yeah, it, I, I like to call it the purple popcorn eater. Yeah, great against popcorn enemies, but it takes a long time to damage anything much larger. So if you're going to play for score, you don't want this weapon because you won't get the flash shot bonuses and particularly in overkill, you'll never get more than level one most of the time for medals. And if you're playing for survival, you'll have a hard time with it as well because you're not going to have the coverage or the power that you need to take out enemies quickly to eliminate threats. So, just a, a word of caution there. Yep, watch out for when the toothpaste goes flying. Be careful, it's got a large spread, but it uh, won't do a lot of damage. Yeah. Full macho, hard to come from riding fighters. The ship is so slow, no bullet sponges at your sides. And yeah, there's a weird parallax in 3D. The bullets feel they shimmy around when the camera changes. Here's a visible timing I mentioned at Game Boy Guru. The blue dots go around clockwise. When they get to 12 o'clock, that's when they switch to a different weapon type. That was one of the things that I really liked. Mentioned, I mentioned earlier I really liked is that they included a, a sort of like a visible timer on here so you could see when it was going to change. That's was right in the previous game this year, it was always the luck of the draw. Or it's just the luck of the draw. It was always a, a hurry up and catch. And most often it led you to chasing the power up around like a, a, a father or a, a parent chasing a, a sugar-ridden toddler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Schlarp chimed in and said, is it just me, or is Raiden 4 much more difficult than Raiden Fighters? Maybe it's the readability of the 3D graphics I struggle with. And then uh, Schlarp commented towards Fomacho's mention of the shimmying, and said, Sometimes the bullet sway is very obvious. I have never seen that in Raiden or Raiden Fighters. And then later on, Schlarp said, I experimented a bit more and stick for now to arcade, easy, original, or additional easy mode. I tried to get along with the toothpaste all along, but it feels quite difficult to me. 
Yeah, this, as we mentioned, this game really loves to just snipe you out from different directions and take on there. And even a small increase of rank really ratchets up the difficulty. So there's no need to feel ashamed for playing on easy. But, uh, uh, you know, hey, I, I was playing on normal the entire time, and I really should have played on the easy or very easy because I, I, I got stuck by the wall that is the second... Uh, Second level boss, so many different times. Well, yeah, it's definitely nothing to be ashamed of. And know that this game is just very difficult by its. And that was the way it was designed. Our next comment comes to us from at BB. You might change your mind once you play Overkill mode a bit, or maybe it's just me that doesn't enjoy that mode. The dead enemies blocking your bullets, and when you want to shoot something else, bugs me a lot. I just don't like the overkill mechanic by its nature, and feel like the base game is difficult enough. That third boss wall is a wall if I ever saw one. This is the arcade mode again, I dropped the difficulty down to normal, because I thought that was likely what people would play. Well, I made it to stage 4 for the first time on my run tonight. I actually made it all the way to the stage 3 boss without losing a life. And then I lost two on the boss, and then final life almost immediately in stage four. Yeah, it's, again, definitely difficult. Now, I was trying to find a little bit more of a STG weekly playthrough. I'm pretty sure there's one out there for Raiden 4, at least the original one. But I would like to get some better strategies on playing the game. Because it's definitely doable. It just requires a lot of memorization and knowing. Maybe it's... Had some parts where you absolutely have to bomb. I'm just missing them. Well, Jamers has an original arcade clear. So there's that. Uh, Normatron uh, gave some thoughts and said, I've been playing on overkill mode, but thought I would check out the arcade mode, and I do prefer that over the overkill mode for sure. I think I will just stick with arcade for now. And then they said, I'm glad I changed to Arcade. The few extra things you have to do to maximize your score in Overkill mode is a real pain. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are not finding the risk-reward mechanic to be worth it. I wonder how much of the people actually enjoy the Overkill mechanic versus just play the Arcade. Yeah. I think out of our group... There was maybe just one or two. Uh, if I had to choose, I would definitely just choose a regular arcade, but that's my personal preference. You? Yeah, probably. I'm, I kind of agree with with BB that the base game is difficult enough. <laughs> Our next comment comes to us from at SPM. I finally started riding four. Tried some runs in arcade mode. The first stage felt a bit different from what I remember of overkill mode, but maybe it's just the lack of big enemies waiting there to be overkilled. I'm going to be playing this mode in original difficulty. I think I played the first stage of overkill in normal mode, and it felt that difficult, but in this mode it felt a bit slow. Probably because I just focused on survival without the rest of building those meadows. By the way, I've read that the boss rush Let's us practice individual bosses until lock it. We need to clear the first loop, and credit feedings allowed. 
The overkill system is so satisfying, but I thought the blue laser would be better for building those metals. Looks like point blanking with Vulcan is where it's at. Maybe the laser has its place later on or sections where point blanking becomes too risky, but in that case the spread shot is probably just needed for survivability. Today I've reached and destroyed by the third boss and Raiden 4. Thankfully, yeah, thankfully there are no checkpoints so I continue and stop shooting until the boss timed out to learn the patterns. Next stage I got to stage 4 thanks to the bullet I practiced and lots of bombs. I'm still not getting used to the bullet wobble. They don't really move if you focus on the screen's frame but it's harder to ignore in the backgrounds. And for some reason I can't take screenshots or record the game. The screen in this game we will have to take photos and use OBS at some point. Blue laser for bosses 3 and 4 is away. So much faster. I don't know if it's thanks to the previous experience with Raiden 1 or what, but so far this game seems a lot more fair. You can react to so much more on the fly. On the other hand, I think this game doesn't achieve the flow of the first one. And for instance, the part with the railroads and box structures was awesome in Raiden 1, but here in Raiden 4, you can flail around and still survive and even get the extra bomb for killing every tank. I don't know how useful it may be, but I noticed we can prevent a power-up from leaving the screen by stop shooting. It resets the cycle and the item starts its spiral movement again. Looks like releasing the shot button has many effects in this game. The main use for this, or at least how I found it by accident, is to get the blue laser for the boss fight, but not sooner. Lucky run that got me to the last boss with two extra lives, lost him in the second phase, and panic bomb my way to the on the my last life. I've given up the idea of clearing overkill mode. We'll just play the stages in score attack mode. It's too stressful. At least I'm glad I had a good run where I built all level 5 medals and got every orb and soul tower. I was recommended another strat that would also work instead of suiciding using the initial three bombs to get through us all level 5 medals. Two at the beginning of the first, two medals, and the other if or when the wrong power-up spawns. I'll try putting that off in overkill. Yeah, and one of the cool things that SPM did toward the end of the month was record footage of pulling that off, getting all level 5 medals from mid-size enemies in stage 1, and then comparing that in overkill mode with not focusing on level 5 medals, but just scoring in general. And you could see how, because you had to lose a life or use up a bunch of bombs in stage 1 in order to get those level 5 medals, you actually get slightly less score doing that because you miss out on the multiplier for your lives and for your bombs. And so uh, SPM did a cool video that's on YouTube that shows the side-by-side -side comparison, which is pretty neat. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'll have to check it out. And uh, Corkman offered some thoughts as well and said, I forgot this has double mode, a one player and two player on one controller. I'm going to play around with that month as well. Double toothpaste lasers at my control. Um, 
And then when there was some discussion about that on the Discord, uh, Corkman answered Schlarp saying, It doesn't work on a stick. I was uh, switched to a Pro Controller. Really works well with the left and right shoulder buttons being the fire and bomb for each ship. I found I got to keep the one-player ship on the left and the two-player ship on the right. If you cross them, it's too confusing. But the extra firepower is a big advantage at times, especially on those patented Raiden enemies who zoom down the sides of the screen and then shoot horizontally toward the middle. And yeah, the double mode thing is is pretty cool um, because you can, on a twin stick controller, you can effectively control both ships by using your thumbs on, on both of those sticks. Probably take a little bit to wrap your head around, but cool nonetheless. Yeah, so now that we've covered everybody's thoughts on here, what are your final thoughts, bro? I like this game. I wish I was better at it, and I wish that during the time we spent with the game, I would have made more progress. But I do feel like I'm better at the game than I was when I first bought it. Because when I first bought it and was playing it early on, the only thing I could do was credit feed. I mean, I just struggled. And actually sitting down and attempting to learn the game, you know, I I got patterns down for the first two bosses pretty consistently. And then... I feel like I have a good pattern for the third boss, except that the third boss is such a slog that there's a couple of spots toward the end where if I don't plan a bomb in a particular at a particular time, I just get I just get taken out. So I would like to see improvement in this game from my perspective but I I kind of am of the same mind that I'm probably going to just stick with very easy for now. Since I was able to make it to the final boss on one credit I have a feeling that with a little bit more practice I could probably make that work and maybe even take home a one credit clear on very easy. No shame you know whether it's very easy or monkey or child on a Psycho game, hey, if it's a way that I can legitimately beat the game, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, well said. I think that, you know, uh, maybe a little bit contrast to you here, I will definitely continue to play it, but, you know, like my golf game here, uh, all the effort I pour into it may not make me any better, but I, I, I will... And definitely keep improving, and I'm not ashamed to try easy or knock it down either. I didn't have as much time to put in as I would have liked to, just because the month was really busy with personal stuff. However, it definitely is one... It certainly loads better than Raiden 3. And it's... it def- in my opinion, it beats Raiden, the original Raiden, 
uh, may not quite be up there with like Riding Fighters Jet and stuff, but it, it, it's definitely well enough that it's one of these games that I would like to put in the revisit category. Just just like Ketsui and, and come back to and see. there is it, It's definitely a struggle and it's not meant to be easy, but it is surmountable. And right. there's nothing like that feeling of when you're war- butting your head against a wall and then you make a breakthrough. And STG games excel upon that. I th- think that little issues with some of the bullet death or the w- bullet wobble aside, the graphics are very well done. The sound is there. There's nothing in the game that, aside from the rank that re- <laughs> and difficulty that really gets to me a uh, I think I think it, it's very accessible, and if someone were to ask for a recommendation, what ride-in game to to try out, I would definitely recommend four over five or three or at, at this rate two or one. I mean, t- two is definitely probably the uh, gold standard or, or ride-in DX, but trying to find a m- way to play that modern without having to resort to emulator or you know. Mister or something's going to be pretty hard to do. If someone asks me what is Raiden about, Raiden for whether it's Mikado or whether it's original, this would be my go-to. Yeah. Well, going over the scores real quick. Uh, like I said, I became the standard bearer for a very easy mode, and got a score of twenty-two thousand two hundred thirty-one thousand. 900 points, or excuse me, 22,231,900. In uh, I think Orc Commander was the only one who really focused on additional mode at all and managed to get a clear, a one, a one loop clear, reaching uh, 2 2 with a score of 41 million. 220,770 points and also trounced everybody in arcade with 42,076,860 points and managed to reach 2-4. Next up we had SPM who cleared arcade mode and reached level 2-1 with a total score of 27 million 321,230 points. BB was up next with 22,250,300 points. And I want to say BB said uh, BB reached stage 5. I managed, my best run of the game was actually relatively early on in the month. Uh, I think I hit stage 4. Or maybe stage five, and I had a total score of seventeen million eight hundred ninety-eight thousand eight hundred ten points. And then Normatron uh, reached stage three, I want to say, three boss maybe, and had eleven million four hundred eighty-one thousand nine hundred sixty points. Well, congratulations to everybody there. That's those are some pretty good high scores. Yeah. So, yeah, what's next? Well, as we record this, we're in September, so we are currently playing Operation Steel 
which is an indie-developed shoot-em-up and is available now on PC via Steam. Yeah, Operation Remington Steel. <laughs> uh, and then for October 2022, we are going to be playing a suitably spooky game, if you will. Uh, we will finally be taking on Death Smiles. And notice he said spooky, not spoony. Those are reserved for bards. <laughs> right. Yeah, so join us in uh, October for some spooky shmup action. Oh, gee, that sounds like a tongue twister. Spooky shmup action. Spooky shmup action. Spooky shmup action. Huh. Oh, let's go on with these shout outs here. I do shout out to Ed of Studio Muppet slash Bullet Heaven for the logo and the podcast shirts and for many, many hours of entertainment on here. It's always interesting to start the stream and then play some stream bingo with uh, Get Out of Here, Nobody Likes You or whatever <laughs> his favorite scenes are for when he gets when he gets hit by an enemy. He's He definitely has some good lines that he puts in there and we appreciate it everything that you do thank you sir and thank you day i'd like to thank kogusu for the intro and outro music i'd like to thank rf generation playcast and collector cast and everyone there for uh, you know obviously taking our questions seriously there that means you single banana i'd like to thank uh, metafro for streaming and for always entertaining us with his parrot dogs Good, and I'd like to thank Mark MSX for keep keeping keeping things in perspective and always trying to hold people accountable for the products they put out and doing lag test and verification and making sure that things are accurate. I know that his input was greatly appreciated by the creator of the Dodon Potch Core for Mr. and to keep things playing just like the arcade arcade release and as close to a, a simulation as possible. Yep. Uh, one thing I want to make sure and mention is that the Playcast is actually kind of rebranding a little bit. They mentioned this on the latest episode that uh, they'll be rebranding from the RF Generation Playcast to the Press Playcast because the podcast is kind of, at this point, half music talk and half game talk. So they felt like it would be appropriate to sort of uh, rebrand a little bit um, so that uh, hopefully they could maybe garner a bit wider appeal. I was wondering if they were going to do that, if they're going to switch off and just do its own thing called the RF Generation Concert Cast or something like that. Yeah. So, anyway, they, they've definitely come back. They've had a couple of new episodes out and are getting back into the swing of things. Excellent. I look forward to uh, he hearing what they've been listening to. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you for all those that participated. We 
can't do it without your support and joining for the Shmup of the Month Club. And if, again, if something doesn't click with you, stick, stay with it here. We've got another game always going up in the next month. That's right. Thank you and good night. Thank you. <laughs>